Satan wants our mind. He doesn't care about our bodies. He doesn't care if we're thin, fat, black, white, green, blue. He just cares about what is in here. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positively Joy, a podcast on searching for the light in all seasons of life around us. We look for God in the everyday and choose joy even in the hard times. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and I'd love for you to become a part of our online podcast family. And join our Positively Joy community on Facebook. Visit PositivelyJoy.com for previous episodes and to check out our cool merch. And listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go for podcasts. We drop episodes Monday and Thursday. Hey, everybody, you are in for a treat this episode. We are talking to Connie Nepper, and she and her husband started a nonprofit, Hope of the Nations, when they went to Tanzania in Africa to fulfill a decades-long wish to go into the mission field. And Connie is also a children's book author, Uh, whose passion is to write about the children that she helps. Her humor, her her imagination is just so precious. And I am so happy that you're going to be able to hear from her today. Get ready. She has got an amazing, amazing testimony. And when you think that you have faith, you don't know faith until you hear Connie Knepper. Here she is. Hi, Connie. Hi. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. How are you? Well, I've been looking forward to seeing you and meeting with you. So this is a lot of fun. Well, I want to thank you because, I mean, even though you are in the States, you normally would be in Africa. Right. And I think you have such a fascinating story to tell. Uh, So I just want to jump right into it. And I also want to tell the my listeners to uh, to stay tuned because there's a very special giveaway um, that you are making available just for Positively Joy listeners. So hang in there. (laughs) It'll be good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just want to introduce you. Um, you know, officially, uh, and also tell the listeners a little bit about you and your ministry. So Connie Nepper is a author uh, and missionary to Tanzania, East Africa. And I want to get into the story about why you guys went. And I also want to talk about Cabin 14. <laughs> but okay. um, but you write yeah. children's books, and, and that's one of the books that's going to be available. So um, mm-hmm. why Tanzania? Tell us all about why God led you there? Well, um, yeah, it's a good story. God is pretty creative how he leads people places. Um, I got married at 18 and um, gave my life to Christ when I was 17. And from the day I met Jesus, I wanted to go to another country and tell everybody about Jesus. So getting married at 18 and marrying a youth pastor, I thought, oh, we're going to go right away. Well, I prayed for 25 years and um, faithfully, God, aren't you going to send us somewhere across the ocean? And he was teaching me then, no, your mission field's right in front of your face and just pay attention. I have things to teach you. Uh, And my husband, he wanted to be an overseas missionary, but he knew we were too young and needed to learn some things. So Anyway, Harold, that's my husband. He was preaching at a little church um, where we ran a youth camp and it was about trusting God. 
And in the middle of the sermon, he looked at the people and he said, you know, guys, you can go ahead and listen to this, but really this is for me. Uh, if you want to join in, go ahead. And so, <laughs> so they all kind of went, oh, okay, Harold. But, uh, but it was about trusting God. And God spoke to him right then and said, the reason why you guys have not gone overseas as missionaries is because you don't trust me with your paycheck. And it really hit my husband hard. He's a man of integrity. He reads the word faithfully every day. He loves the Lord with his whole heart. But it was that trusting of, okay, I got to count on someone else to give us a paycheck where really that's not true. It's God that you trust. But you know, when you get one every month from a church, cause he'd been a pastor his whole life, it was just, was a lot easier to do than thinking now I got to ask people for money and which was a whole lesson that God taught us in that too. So he came home um, from preaching and he said, honey, we're going on the mission field. And I just started jumping on the bed. I was like, yes, we're going 25 years. God, you were so faithful. And um, so he said, yeah, let's, let's start looking around. Where does God want us to go and fill in our applications? But first we need to go to the camp where we were living and talk to the executive director. Cause my husband was the director, but then there was an executive director over him and let him know, you know, we're giving our notice and this is why, mm-hmm. and this is what we're going to be doing. And so, um, he did that and went in and said, you know, I, I appreciate all you've done for us. We'll move out of the house. Cause we had a really nice house at the camp. We'll move out of that one, give it to the next person. We won't leave until our contract is finished. It finishes at the end of the summer. Cause you know, youth camps were, used to be really busy in the summer. So, um, the director was like, okay, okay. And you could tell, wasn't very happy, but it's like, oh, okay. Well, then a couple of weeks later, he called him in, called Harold into his office and he said, can you just come on in and shut the door? And you know, when someone says shut the door and they're your boss, you kind of don't want to hear that. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, usually it's not good news. <laughs> not good news. So he said, go ahead and sit down, Harold. Um, you know, I've been thinking you found your replacement and you're starting to train him and you guys said you'll move out of that house so that we can, um, you know, use uh, the house for the new guy when he comes on and everything. Harold's like, okay. And Harold said, well, you know, we really, we really need to sell our things first before. And he said, okay, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you another week or so, get your stuff, stuff sold, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do. So we went back to me and I had made this huge list. Okay, if we sell this, this will pay for this. And we had talked to 12 um, people that we really had a lot of respect for and asked them for their advice and to pray with us. Um, Which organization should we go with? Should we go on our own? Of course, now that seems silly, but we didn't know. Um, You know, how does this look to go in the mission field? And um, we had YWAM as one of the choices to go with YWAM and um, that's youth with a mission in case you don't know what it is. Great organization all over the world. They work with youth and that's what our heart is. And so we ended up choosing that we were going to go with you through the mission, but it costs, you know, X amount to move. They move you to another country and train you and blah, blah, blah. So you have to save a lot of money before you can go. So I made this list. Okay, we're going to sell this and then we can go with YWAM and we're going to do this. And oh, I had it all figured out because here I've been praying for 25 years. So come on, God, I know what I want. And um, how arrogant. And <laughs> so, so my husband, he's not a big list maker like I am or used to be. 
So he said, okay, well, let's have a big yard sale. Let's just sell it all. So we opened up our house. We sold, you know, just everything you could think of. Well, one of the men on our staff, he was our maintenance guy. He came in the middle of the cell, you know, a couple little things had sold and he came in and he looked around and he goes, Harold and Connie, I want it all. I want, I want to buy it all. I'm going to help you guys get on the mission field. I'm going to buy it all. And so I was like, wow, when you look at our list, most of it's checked off. This is going to be so great. And our son had um, a big go-kart that was kind of expensive. And he said, I have the cash for that. I'll give it to your son, you know, and, um, but then I'll be back to work and, and I'll pay you then. And Harold said, Oh, no problem. I, I know where you live. So that's not a big deal. So he brought over a couple of trucks. We loaded up our couches or, I mean, he bought it all except for the Coca-Cola collection. And our Coca-Cola collection was one that Harold had been collecting for the last 25 years while he was a youth pastor. And kids would come back from other countries and bring us stuff from Israel and Guatemala, you know, all over the world. And so he... Hold on. Are these... these bottles or cans are they empty are they full oh, they're empty cans they're little trucks they're a swing they're uh, i mean the whole spare room and the outside of our house and trickled in throughout the house was coca-cola i mean there was a lot of it because 25 years of saving it we had things as small as a little tonka truck that's about an inch long to a swing set out on the porch that was all collectible coca-cola wow and um even Coca-Cola dealers um, would bring us like big signs and big Coke bottles and stuff, plastic ones, bottle ones, everything, um, different languages on them. But he didn't want any of that. The man said, no, I don't want any of that. And I give Jonathan his money for his go-kart, I'm loading up. We helped him load it up. He drove away. It's like, wow, we got it all figured out. Well, the next day he didn't come to work. And so Harold thought, well, you know, he's probably getting busy setting up with all the new stuff. I'm so excited for him and everything. Well, then the next day he didn't come to work. Oh so no. Like, kind of odd. <laughs> so. Oh no, Connie. We drove to his house. His house was empty and all our stuff was gone. He stole it all. Wow. And to this day, 20 years later, we've never heard from him or seen our things again. And so God whispered in my husband's ear, Trust me. This is the first step of trusting. So trust. Well, the executive director called us in, not me, called my husband back into the office again, shut the door. So my husband said, okay, well, it'll be easy for us to move out of the house because we don't own anything but a Coca-Cola collection that we can just put in boxes. So um, what do you think? And so the director said, well, the new people want to move in and you said you'd move out. And so, you know, that's no problem. Said, so how about if you move into cabin 14? Well, cabin 14 is the one on the end of the road that's falling apart that nobody really wants. And it was perfect because it wouldn't hurt the summer, you know, activities and things. And so we moved in there when it was pretty easy. A bed comes in the cabin and then that's all we had in our clothes. So it was plenty of room, even though it was a tiny cabin. So, he said, yeah, we'll, we'll move in there. We'll stay in there and that'd be fine. And then he said, yeah, and next week I really need you guys to, um, yeah, you know, I need to stop paying your salary. And Harold said, well, the contract goes until the end of the summer. And so this is like 
you know, May. So he said, yeah, but we have the new guy. And, and in a couple of weeks, we're going to need cabin 14 too. And so all of this stuff starts going through my husband's head. He's like, right now I could say, let your yes be yes and your no be no, because this is what this director always told everyone. He said, I could say that I could fight with him. This is a signed contract. You have to keep us. You said you would, you know, you, you can't treat us this way because now we don't have a place to live and we don't have an income. We don't have a job. Um, and we haven't moved yet with YWAM. And so, but it was so cool how the Holy Spirit works because he's totally calm, Harold Spirit. He didn't say any of those things. You know, sometimes you think them and they go a hundred miles an hour in your head. And then you're so glad you didn't say it. You didn't say any of them. And he said, okay, well, next week we'll be out. So he left and came back to the cabin because I was setting up, you know, making the bed and thinking, well, this is kind of fun, a little cabin in the woods. And, and he comes in and he goes, well, honey, you know, don't get too settled because uh, we got to be out next week. And I went, oh, well, that's exciting. I wonder what God's going to do. Okay, so my reactions are a little bit different than my husband's, which is good. We balance each other out. After 46 years, you know, you balance each other. And I was like, yes, I wonder what God's going to do next. Well, my mom's an antique dealer, and she found a person to buy all of our Coca-Cola collection. And so we had that money. But we still didn't have a job. Well, we didn't have the money yet. It was coming, but we still didn't have a job or a place to live. Sure. And our, um, the lifeguard at our camp, Brooks, sweet, sweet woman. We're, we're really good friends even now, 20 years later. She said, well, my dad is a contractor in the, in the town next to us. And he's always looking for guys to hire, you know, do grunt work or whatever. Harold's a handyman, but he's not a contractor. And so maybe he'll, you could interview with him. So she set up an appointment. So Harold went the next day to the appointment and, and Tim, what a godly man, such a sweet man. He said, well, Harold, what are you making at the camp? And what were you making? And Harold told him and he said, okay, well, I'll match that. And Harold's like, no, Tim, you don't understand. I can fix things, but I'm not a contractor. And he said, that's okay. You'll learn some things for the mission field, which is exactly what happened. So he got to meet, he got to work with these amazing contractors that took a knee every morning, praise God. I mean, you know, in the word, you just, you don't usually hear that. And really sweet men got the same pay, got our money from the um, Coca-Cola collection, which was a big help for getting us over there and giving us a place to live. And then Tim said, well, this is good, but where are you guys going to live? You know, the camp provides your housing, so where are you going to live? Harold said, well, we're, we're figuring that out. My wife keeps saying it's exciting, so I'm, I'm waiting for this exciting time. <laughs> and Tim said, well, you know, my uncle and my aunt, they have a house by a lake up in California. It's Big Bear. You don't have to know where it is. Just imagine a beautiful lake and these really nice houses around it. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check with them and see. I, I think no one's using that house. You guys could use that. So we said, hey, the little cabin by a lake, we're happy to have that. That would be fine. So we go to this little cabin by the lake, quotes. <laughs> and it's a two-story three-bedroom home with a master suite with a sunken tub and a seven-person hot tub inside the house. Okay, so I'm going to stop you right now because if you, if someone had told you, okay, so your husband gets a message from God, you know, like 
while preaching, maybe. Yeah. He comes home, tells you you're going to go on a mission field. All your things are stolen. They fire you prematurely and take and and you lose your home. But God's going to set you up. I mean, if someone had told you that story, it'd be laughable almost, right? Oh, yeah. No one would believe it. When we share this story. People don't believe it. They said, we are only believing you because we know you and we've seen what you're doing in Africa. Otherwise, this has got to be made up, you know, but it's not God. He works individually. This is exactly what my husband needed to learn trust. And this is what I needed to learn not to be prideful about my ideas and my ways. So he's working on both of us, but in a very unique situation. So we move into this beautiful home. Well, when you go in on the mission field, you have to fill out an application for a doctor to check you out and get a whole workup because they can't just send you over with some weird disease or something. So we did that. We went to our doctor and I, mine physical, you know, I had no problems. And, um, Harold, they kept, they called us back and they said, we want to run some blood tests again. We don't understand what's going on. So they ran it two more times. They said, Harold, you got to come in. So he came in, um, we went to the doctor and he said, I'm going to need to send you to a specialist because you have hepatitis C and your liver's failing. And he had liver spots on his chest and stuff. And Harold said, what are you talking about? Now I'll be, I'm going to be personal here, but I'm the only woman Harold's ever been with. And he's never done drugs or used needles or had a blood transfusion. So none of it, you know, all those are the things you think of and everything's running through our head. He's never been a nurse or a doctor, you know, where you'd be around blood or, or get poked or something. So we were really confused when we went to the um, specialist and he examined and did a, a culture or a, biopsy of his liver and he said yeah this isn't good it's very enlarged and you have the spots on your chest and this just isn't I can't tell you anymore only that your next appointment will be to set up basically the plan for the rest of your life and how long you're going to live and I was like no I looked at the doctor and said, no, I don't accept this answer. <laughs> this isn't, God did not bring us this far to have my husband die. It doesn't work that way. And so the doctor wasn't a believer and he's like, okay, well, you go on home now. When you come back in two weeks, I'll have the, you know, the information for you, how we're going to work out Harold's plan. And he wouldn't sign the medical form. He said, I can't sign this. I can't say that you can go to another country in this condition. So For two weeks, I must have told everyone in the world I could think of. It went out to everyone. Please pray for healing for my husband. This can't be true. So two weeks later, we went back to the um, doctors. And the whole time, I I just kept thinking, God doesn't bring you this far to just leave you. And maybe God wants me to go by myself. But that just didn't resonate in my heart. It just didn't seem like what God was doing. So... And again, people die before they go on the mission field. I'm not saying you pray and you're not going to die. It it happens. We have friends in the mission field that have passed away. So we went into the doctors and he was sitting at his desk and he was really kind of distant. Like he, he was really weird. And he said, "Um, yeah, I have something to tell you. I don't really know how to tell you this, but um, the, the hepatitis C is gone. Like, I don't know how to tell you this, but the new blood work and 
you examined him again, your liver's not swollen anymore, you still have spots, but the tests were right. And now they are changed. And he said, I've never in all the years of being a doctor have had anyone where I've told you, you don't have to come see me anymore. He said, get out that medical paper. I will sign it. Okay, well, now I'm jumping up and down like, yes, praise God. This is so great. I knew it. I just knew it. It didn't, it didn't surprise me. And um, the doctor, he just looked at me and goes, okay, good. I think he was thinking that we were going to be mad at him, you know. Yeah. So he did say, which was really helpful. He said, you know, Harold, you told me you were a wrestling coach at one time. And it was before the days of wearing gloves. And he said, you could have easily um, pinched your skin, like clipping, because you have to clip the, the guy's fingernails before they can wrestle. And he said, sharing fingernail clippers and clipping. And if you get blood on it and you share, he said, you can get it that way. Wiping up blood on the mat. If you have, um, you know, scratches or ways the blood can get in, you can actually get hepatitis C that way. So if you're a wrestling coach or you wrestle, wear gloves. Because... Um, um, we couldn't figure out any other way, but we knew God had healed him. And so it was so exciting to go tell everybody after that, we really get to go, we get to go. And, you know, for the next four months, we lived in a wonderful house and we had enough money. The Coca-Cola collection lasted almost five months, actually, um, for us to live on. And people started getting... Um, sending us messages saying we want to support you and we're so glad you're coming over and you know raising funds to go overseas or to be a missionary anywhere in the country it really isn't about fundraising it's friend raising it's really yeah. it's making friends and then bragging to them about what god's doing because we're not doing it god's doing it and um, yeah, when we got off the plane over there, we had a couple bags, you know, our personal belongings. We left our three kids. Um, one was out of college. One was just about ready to finish college. And one was going into college and it was really hard. Two years later, they were all married. Yeah. We just had to leave and then they finally get married. Um, <laughs> anyway, we, we went over with the idea of working with YWAM and within a couple months, YWAM pulled out of that village that we wanted to work in. There was no hard feelings. They just they felt called somewhere else and we felt called there. So we started our own um, nonprofit, Hope of the Nations. And that's where um, birthed the primary school for street kids, uh, Bible college, a training center for battered women. Um, a, a God gave us a 40 foot boat that goes up and down the longest lake in the world to unreached people groups. And that's just been amazing to go into a village the first time and them have never heard about Jesus. We had no idea. This was not on my list. I stopped making lists after that one. And God showed me you're being prideful. It's about me, not about you. I don't make lists anymore. I, I put things on calendars and organize, but I don't like have checklists of I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Cause that doesn't work. Um, yeah. So it's just been really, really exciting to see our Bible college now is all about training men and women to plant churches. And that's really Harold's heart. My heart is the, the primary school and the training of women. Um, it started with a Bible study under a tree in a little village of 7,000 people with no electricity, living in mud huts. And um, these seven women came and they used to braid my hair. It was really funny. And we'd talk and I knew the language enough to have a conversation, but not real well. 
and it was just, it was just such a sweet time. And I noticed that all their kids were, were playing around us, but no one was going to school. And I said, why aren't they going to school? It's supposed to be free. And they said, yeah, but you still have to have black shoes and you have to have a certain uniform and you have to, you know, you have to bring a broom to school and, and, um, a rag to wipe down the school. Cause the kids clean it and everything. And they said, we don't, we don't have that. I mean, we're, we don't have anything like that. So that's when God showed me that he really wanted a primary school. And man, that's a whole nother story. But we have primary school now for 225 kids. The government came to me and said, what are you doing? You crazy woman, this village, these are like the worst of the worst, the poorest of the poor kids, bunch of angry street children, never going to amount to anything. Well, if you really want to make me mad, you know, talk bad about kids. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think so. I don't agree with you. (laughs) That's it. Do it. And it wasn't easy, but, um, yeah, it's, it's doing well now. Those kids are all, they're passing. They're going on to high school. We're the first school in our village to have children actually graduate from primary school and go on to high school. And I know it's, it's God. I never went to high to college. I graduated from high school by the skin of my teeth. My friends, when they said, God's using you to start a school. Well, that's interesting. You're never very good at school. <laughs> you didn't even go to college. And I, my husband did, but I didn't. And I said, yeah, but if God tells me to do it and makes it clear that this is what he wants, then I'm going to do it. And he'll show me how to. He brought, surrounded me around a lot of educated people and people who knew what they were doing. And I studied and read and asked questions and invited guests. And, you know, God did it. And so now the school is, for the last two years, we've been there almost 20 years. And for the last two years, it's been 100% run by nationals, all national teachers. The principal is now national. I'm no longer manage the school. And it's just so, ah, it's just so fun to see. But the books I write are about those children. And so, my goodness. Okay. So first of all, yeah. you talk about God being faithful. You are, you are faithful. I mean, you are so faithful yourself, you know, le- having learned lessons, of course. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, but I mean, oh my goodness, you're doing things on faith. You know, we've come this far by faith, just, you know, all mm-hmm. the old songs. And that's yeah. just, you know, if I had to, ta- if I had a takeaway from this conversation, it would be, it would be faith. It would be just giving it all over to him. Is there a scripture that you stand on? That, well, first, first of all, was there when you were going through all this? And I know I'm I know I'm asking like, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. But was there a scripture that you stood on when all these things were happening to you? Mm-hmm. A verse that God gave to both of us out of Matthew. And it's the rest in you. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. I will give you rest and his yoke is easy and light. That was a big one, especially I would say um, it was really given to both of us, but my husband still hangs on to that. The whole resting and trusting him for me. Um, when I gave my life to Christ, when I was 17, he gave me a life verse and really that verse has just stayed with me for life. <laughs> I'm in 64 and it's still my life verse, but Romans 8, 1, 1 and 2, there's, there is, is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And that I just, I'm no longer condemned. I came from a lot of condemnation and abuse. And I think that's why it's easier for me to trust God and have faith. Not only because I ask for it daily, but, um, but also because if you come from, 
a lot of, um, especially abuse and just darkness. I was raised with, uh, a grandma that was a witch and a lot of witchcraft and demons and ghosts and all that garbage. And when you come from that and you're truly out of the darkness and into the light and you know it, I mean, I know it, I have seen darkness and I see light and the light is so attractive that it's easier for me to have faith because I never, ever want to go back to that dark again. Let's talk a little bit about the book that you're going to make available to listeners. Oh, yeah. It's called, they won't see, but you can see. It's called Gurgle, Gurgle, Splat. Gurgle, Gurgle, Splat. (laughs) And it's part of a um, series, Taka Taka Woosh and Flip Flop, Drip Drop. So those three are in a a series. They're all fiction, fun, uh, for ages like four to eight, four to six. But, um, but they're, they're fun and they're, they're fiction, but at the same time you're learning the culture because it shows like what little kids, um, in our village, like this one, he makes uh, toys out of cans and you know, the can comes alive and talks to him and the monkey and everything. But the free one I'm offering is my number one bestseller on Amazon. And, um, it's not just a bestseller in several cavity categories, but it's actually a bestseller. There's a difference if you're an author. So it's a, it's an honor to, to have that, which I'm super excited. Anyway, this is about a little girl that cooks and she cooks a recipe that's actually in the book and um, the your listeners will get that recipe, but she cooks a meal for her friends and um, which is the culture. We, we cook outside, we use big, big pots and lots of water and make ugali, pour the flour in. It's kind of like a porridge, except for it gets sticky and you can roll it in your hand, stick your thumb in it and dip in the food and eat it. It's a staple. Well, she's cooking it. So now you're learning the culture of what, how they cook and what they eat. And there's a little mm-hmm. monkey in the story that tells, um, asks the kids questions as you're reading it. Like, where do you cook? And what's your favorite food? And that kind of thing. And there's a little mouse that's his best friend and everything. Anyway, it gets out of hand. So it's pretty funny. And there's a big explosion. And you'll, you'll see what happens at the end. And then um, also at the end, besides the recipe, the recipe's on the the uh my website but besides the recipe inside the book there's actual instructions of how to eat your ugali so when you make it at home you know the correct way to eat it and things like that but yeah so that is free on my website connienepper.com and so um, when they when they go there is there a code that they need or anything like that no, you just go on the site and you'll see a picture of me and up at the tab, it says free ebook. And that's for you guys. So you just click the free ebook and it shows Google, Google Splat and it's yours for free. Uh, well, we really thank you. And we, we love the idea of learning more about the village. Now I know it's in Tanzania in East Africa, but what's the name of your village? Kamala village. Kamala village. Yeah. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Or Kigoma Town. We could say Kigoma Town, too. Mm-hmm. And, and as street kids, are, are they orphans? We have three levels of orphans. We have pure orphans that are just live on the street. Then we have orphans that just have uh, uh, one parent, usually a mom, and they have maybe nine children. and She doesn't have a job and just really suffering. That's when we take her to our training center and we teach her how to sew, make jewelry, make soap, make a living. And then, um, and we don't give it as a handout. We, we do it as they have to be involved in Bible studies. They have to give a percentage of their sales at the end, which is so hard sometimes, but it's a very small percentage, but something. So they know that, you know, this is, I've worked for this. 
And then, um, and then our last orphan is maybe they have both parents or they're living with a grandparent. A lot of our kids live with grandparents. HIV is huge there. And so it's wiped out a big section of our village, um, which is why there's more children than there are adults. Mm. Now, um, now, speaking of that, you are actually in the United States. I'm speaking to you right now in the United States because you can't mm-hmm. go home right now because of COVID. So what is what has COVID done? Has, has COVID um, done anything actually, to your village? Actually, um, legally, we can't talk about this. Yeah. Or I could be asked to not come back. Well, I'm hoping that you can go home uh, soon because I know you I know you're homesick. Um, We're supposed to be home already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and telling us all about your amazing story of faith. I mean, that that everything that you went through and God's faithfulness was just so amazing. Um, And we want to thank you for you know, telling us about your ministry and, um, and for making the book available. I mean, it sounds great. I have, I'm going to go download it and, uh, enjoy it. So, yeah. 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 So, so I would say if, if you have, if there's one lesson and I already said that my takeaway was, was certainly faith, but Mm -hmm. if you've got to, if if we're going to end this with one lesson that you hope my listeners Mm -hmm. take away, what would that be? I would say, trust God, no matter what situation you're in. Because it might seem really bleak and really hard, but I promise you, you lean into him, you listen to him. He has a bigger and better plan. It may take longer for some people and it may take shorter, but just keep trusting him because no one in a million years would have thought of a little abused girl getting to start a school in East Africa and see thousands of people get saved on the longest lake in the world. No one would have guessed that. And, you know, and so everybody has a big idea. I I write about that. You've got a big idea. Trust him for it. Ask him for it. He's got some way. I don't care if you're 10 or you're 64. He still has something big. Don't ever retire from that. Keep trusting, trusting, trusting. He's got a big idea for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Appreciate everything that you're doing um, over there. And um, hopefully you can get home, but please stay safe. And, um, you know, I definitely want to want to know what you're what you're doing. So I will keep in touch. Thank you so much. And I love being on your show. And I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts. If you are out there for this first time, go back and listen to the rest of them. They are so good. I listened to like four today. (laughs) Just there's so much good information and inspirational stories and yeah I really really appreciate you having me on the show it's been a lot of fun well thank you we really appreciate it and you take care okay okay love you guys (laughs) you've been listening to Positively Joy I'm your host Yvette Walker and thank you so much for spending some time with us come on over to our website PositivelyJoy.com you can listen to past episodes You can download a free teachable called Five Ways to Choose Joy. See our merchandise, cool t-shirts with our new logo. We've got a lot going on at PositivelyJoy.com. So we hope to see you there. Farewell for now.